Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Your Take is Excrement. My name is still May Leitz, and regrettably, it's raining. Oh, no. <laughs> what are we going to do? I, I, I am still Neo, and it is, it is also uh, raining where I am. That's, That's right. We're, we're doing a long distance. It, well, well, I feel like it ruins the magic when you tell the people at home that we've done it long distance. We want people to be tricked into believing that we're in the same space. Oh. Uh, even though we're not. Uh, ignore the magic of, of technology um, and, and just go, go yes. about the, the podcast as normal. If you can do what I do and be blissfully ignorant of the possibilities of technology, I think that would make you a much healthier individual. And this isn't me speaking to to you. That's me speaking to you at home. That's right. You, too, can avoid experiencing, you know, Internet woes simply by shutting off your computer. Uh, now, about shutting off your computer. Today, are we're sponsored by whom? Uh, we're sponsored by Machine Age Productions. Uh, they have a short uh, as part of the, the NYX Film Collective on Shutter Up right now. Uh, we're Ooh, also sponsored. That sounds dirty and fun. We're also sponsored by Ambi Dream Studio. It's an Etsy store. Ooh, that sounds dangerous and I, trippy, <laughs> like my pussy. I don't know. I, 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 I thought it was a good joke. Come on. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and we also have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash excrement. Uh, That's right. We have a Twitter page. for heathens, just like you. I, I just, I, I don't know if I'd self-ascribe to that, but just like. As a heathen? As, as Someone's a heathen. been reading too much of the Bible. Uh, too much uh, Desert Fathers, but that's beside the point. Um, uh, either way, yeah. We also have a Twitter. Uh, it's at your take is X. Uh, I'm Matt Angstrom. May's at Nick Spheres. And that's right. Today, we are doing Drive. Now, do, where do, are we do, driving? Do, 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 do. Uh, uh, Down to Wendy's to pick ourselves up some <laughs> cute combo meal? What do you think? I, uh, yes, I I particularly like the chicken sandwich. Is um, this the movie starring Ken from the new Barbie film? Uh, yes, also uh, Duke Leto Atreides from, from Dune. I'm sorry, did you just say Duke Leto Atreides? Yeah. From Dune? Uh-huh. What are you, some kind of weird fucking nerd? Uh yes. Are you a dork? I I oh I. Oh my am. god, bitch! Is you a dork? I I am indeed a dork. Okay, well we can tolerate that, I guess. Um, so today we're talking about Drive. That's right. Uh, it's a movie about people who drive, including Brian Cranston, who doesn't <laughs> drive in the film but could probably. Um, he might have a license. I don't know. He might be old. Do they let olds have licenses in L.A.? Uh, I I presume so. I think the uh uh. AARP has has its iron grip over over everyone. Oh, the the old people union AARP. Yeah, turns out they like <laughs> unions when it keeps them on the road and a menace to society. I, I've had many grandparents in my life. I don't know why. It's kind of strange, but um, I just keep getting them. Uh, but uh, if there's one thing I've learned from having grandparents, it's that putting them behind the wheel of a car is like kind of not a great idea. May they'll have the a silver alert. May the avid grandparent collector. I'm I'm a I'm a grandparent collector, but I also hate them desperately. <laughs> Boomers are, are over party, party of three. Um, so Drive is a film starring Ryan Gosling. 
uh, and uh, a, and Brian a gander of Ryan Goosling. And, uh, and well, and we didn't even mention that uh, um, Carrie Mulligan is in this. I haven't even seen her in a film in a hot minute, and I love her. She's got that ear. She is she's very, she's very good. She's very in this, good in this film. Uh, there's also yeah. Ron Perlman coming in with the slurs the moment he uh, shows up on oh, camera. Oh yeah, Ron Perlman. <laughs> uh, and who's who's the other mob boss? Is he? I can't remember his notable? name right now. Uh, he is, but I can't remember his name today. I'm sorry. Um, uh, maybe tomorrow, if y'all come back to the podcast and go back to this section of the podcast, I will have remembered. <laughs> but uh, on this record, this current listening for you at home, I don't remember. It is uh, Bernie Rose. Bernie Rose. That's the character's name. What is the actor's name? Oh, Albert Brooks. I am. That's what I was about to say. Uh, it's Albert Brooks. I, I I may or may not be drinking uh, strawberry Alcohol? apple cider right now. Alcohol? Uh, yeah. Oh, my and, God. Are you under the influence? Uh, you can't be drinking and driving. That's I, a sin. I, I I stopped driving and then started drinking. <laughs> I, oh, you stopped driving and started – so you were drinking, and then you were like, no, 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 I must – or you were driving, and then you were like, no, 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 I must stop, and then began drinking. And now I also, podcasting. Yeah. Well, I want to shout out Safeway for putting the frozen pizzas as an end cap to the alcohol. Uh, real, real. Oh wow! You real. you got the depression special, the alcohol and the frozen pizza. I holy well, shit! I I I I'm doing it. It's I do it for my birthday. It's on the thirteenth. Yet. Oh yeah! A, happy a, birthday! Thank you. A, another year closer to the grave. Yeah, and look at all we have to show for it. So yeah, hooray! I, mean, I, <laughs> I love it personally. I think I, my parents are gonna be deeply disappointed when they meet me in hell. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh, so <laughs> so drive drive is a film that a bunch of dudes really like um so okay to quickly recap the season we're talking about sigma male movies and to describe briefly what a sigma male movie is is it's like one of those movies that channers really really like because they reinforce their belief that um women are gay and stupid and men uh, control everything and should forever. And if we question them, they'll kill us. So, um, on on that, real quick. Yes. A, a, someone at my job, uh, just randomly decided one day that Andrew Tate is the funniest person on the planet. I don't um, know who that is. Uh, think of okay, who's the most misogynistic human being you can think of? Um, me. Uh, I. <laughs> get wrecked me uh, uh no 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 no. that's a joke i i love the women in my life uh, anyway, you can't cancel me uh andrew tate is just the most misogynistic human being probably he's in like the manosphere than me jesus Christ. uh like i don't know i he he does this thing where he has a podcast and he gets all he has like women there but he gets them like ridiculously drunk and then anytime they open their mouth, he screams at them. And if they disagree with him, he physically throws them off the podcast. Wow. That only sounds ever so slightly worse than what we're doing here today. I, I, so anyway, anyway, what's your point about bringing my, up my, this, this? My, my point about this scumbag wonderful is, person. Is, is he's in like the, the same group of jackasses who oh, really wait, like- I get it. Drive and Joker and I get it. His favorite movie is Drive, and that's why we're here. 
I honestly drive is probably too arty for this dumb motherfucker, but it's that same like that. I'm just I'm sure our audience will know who Andrew Tate is, and that's the that's the there, yeah. there's a huge overlap between between a lot of the channers who like drive and Andrew Tate's primary fan base. Well, see, I like to think that because I don't know who Andrew Tate is, that I am. Um, I have somehow won the internet because I have successfully avoided uh, knowing about that. So, and that's that's not usual for me. You know, I pride myself on being one of those individuals that knows way too much about a lot. Yeah. And, oh, oh, uh, oh, oh, ye are like normal arbiter of of curse knowledge has been spared this once. Well, yeah. I mean. Luckily, I get to remain innocent on this one. But um, unfortunately, I do really like the movie Drive and have seen it many times. And I'm going to go to bat for this movie that uh, I'm supposed to hate today on the podcast. So I, I too, love Drive. Uh, Uh (laughs) So, okay. So to explain real quick, to summarize, uh, if you may, Drive. Uh, Drive is about Ryan Gosling, who is known as the driver. Um, it's Goosling, actually. Ryan Goosling. Uh, they there's a bunch of just geese in that that scorpion jacket, and that's <laughs> what makes up the entity. Uh, no, so uh, he he drives for like criminals um, to like as like an escape driver, kind of like uh, uh, the baby film driver. Baby Driver, directed by Edgar Wright, the noted hack that stole this film or stole that film from this film, as we previously determined. Yeah. Uh, so in his whole a really bit, hot take you had there. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Is, is he is he gives them five minutes and anyway he has this whole like spiel where he's like he's like you know you have five minutes one minute before one minute after you know you know I'm, I'm out but in those five minutes <laughs> you I'm have yours. the duration of this funk song for me to yeah. save you or else I have to turn on a different song. <laughs> so in my car <laughs> stereo, which uh, I hate doing. He's also a stunt driver for Hollywood films. Um, See, that's where Baby Driver fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) If we would have had Baby be a stunt driver, I would have liked the movie, uh, you know, regardless of how many Kevin Spaceys were in it. So as he's going about his life, he starts interacting with uh, Carrie Mulligan uh, or Irene. Uh, and by interacting, we mean sitting silently, saying nothing, and it being very strange. Yeah, he's kind of or he's he's fairly strongly uh mentally ill-coded uh yeah well i i would call it okay careful with this but i would call it autism coded because uh i'm some of that so i think they're trying to talk about me right he's good at driving but he's terrible at socialization yeah so he he just isn't it, it it in the very specific way that many autistic people or some autistic people are he has problems with social situations not problems but he he's just doesn't quite know what to do himself so he just starts hanging around her uh and kind of helping her out and her her kid uh and not really talking at all um just sort of being there yeah just him as a character doesn't really talk very much um, it's it's weird because this is one of those situations where I would complain uh, that he's very passive. I actually feel like that's one of the big Sigma male qualities uh, in these movies, right? Is that 
uh, they're always very passive well, protagonists that don't do an awful lot, but then they do something big, and it's usually violent. <laughs> yeah, well, I, th- I think that's that, that's that's why people that's why like Sigma Mills like project themselves onto onto those characters. Um, well, yeah, because they too deeply wish to do deep, horrible violence. Well, and, and are just incredibly but they passive. S- but they can't stop doing nothing. Yeah. So um, what they want to do is violence. What they must do is nothing. So over the course of of him hanging out and kind of being a surrogate father to uh, Irene's son, as but, much as a silent, <laughs> weird looming force can be a father figure. Yes, I agree with you. Yeah. Um. I mean, that's pretty fair. My my father was kind of a silent, lingering, looming force. Uh. So he uh. Uh, eventually we find out that the kid's father and Irene's uh, husband, Oscar Isaac, is coming home from jail. Uh, so he, oh, shit, yeah. he gets home. There's there's obviously some problems with, uh, with the driver because Oscar Isaac is very possessive of his family. Um, until one day, Oscar Isaac gets the absolute shit kicked out of him and the people who did it handed a bullet to the son uh kind of as a threatening his family uh then yeah. the driver finds out that Oscar Isaac is deep in debt to some unruly types and uh to protect Irene and the child Ryan Gosling goes to help Oscar Isaac uh Goosling Ryan Goosling goes to help Oscar Isaac the heist goes horribly wrong uh Oscar Isaac dies in the heist uh and Ryan Gosling ends up with like two million dollars that the people who he doesn't really want he he does not want and he then spends the rest of the movie trying to get trying it trying to give it back to and Ron, getting fucked over for it to Ron Perlman and Albert Brooks uh, and he's trying to do it as painlessly as possible and they just only fuck him up so they, they're like who is this guy we gotta kill this bastard he's gonna fuck us and they're like uh. And and the driver's like, no, I just want to give you your money back. <laughs> like, I'm severely autistic. I don't know. I just do what I'm told. I don't know what's going on. Can you help? And then they're like, uh, this guy's going to fuck us. Yeah, so he keeps on being like, literally, give me a time and a place, and you'll get your money back. And they keep on like see, sending Hitman after him. <laughs> see, this is a film about uh, how people deeply distrust the, the uh, neurodivergent. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, well, so there's also a subplot <laughs> where uh, uh, the two crime lords are are in business with Brian Cranston and and the driver to like do do race cars, and so there's also this element of they're all destroying each other and their dreams. Uh, oh right! <laughs> as well, they fight over the money that Ryan Gosling does not want. <laughs> yeah. Well, so like um. Is is the movie over? Have we? Well, let's finish her out, and then I'll yeah. start talking so, about the mindless bullshit I uh, know about. Anyway, so Ryan Gosling uh, then is like, "All right, well, if like y'all have pushed this too far, well, so there's a scene where he's in an elevator with Irene, and there's a hitman in the elevator too. So he there's my this, favorite scene in 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 much of cinema. I must admit, it's, it's a very it's good a, scene. It's a very good scene. Uh, so he like makes out with Irene, and then turns around and viciously goes overboard on this assassin to the point where he's like unconscious and Ryan Gosling is just curb stomping him in the elevator uh as Irene like backs away in horror at, at okay at Gosling 
Anyway, so then uh, just so, so so real quick before you before you move on, I want to put a pen in this because if I forget, I'm gonna kill myself. So there is a thing in that scene, the elevator scene, that's very important. I need to talk about it in a moment, uh-huh. but I can't do it right now. All Continue. Right. I uh, we'll, we'll pull this pin out the moment I get to the end of the movie. So Ryan Gosling like a grenade goes on a goes on a killing spree. He kills Ron. He kills Ron Perlman in a in a like Halloween esque mask. Uh, yeah. In another spectacular scene. Uh, a very good scene. Yeah. Then Albert Brooks kills Brian Cranston. Uh, then. Uh, uh, Ryan Gosling makes a deal with Albert Brooks that if if uh, Albert, I'm just gonna use Bernie in the movie. If Bernie leaves Irene and her kid alone, then Ryan Gosling will give Bernie the money. And then Bernie's like, "Hey, just warning you, you're going to spend the rest of your life looking behind your back. Like it's like the the family's safe. You're gonna die someday by by us." And so, as they're handing off the money, Bernie decides that time is now. Uh, stabs Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling turns around, reveals that he he has a knife ready of his own, and kills Bernie. Uh, where so then, Ryan Gosling gets into his car, uh, just sits there waiting to die. He then does not die, and so is forced to drive away. Um, and Irene goes and goes to his now empty flat. Uh, and the movie's over. Uh, pulling the pin. Really? Grenade out. So, okay, before we do that, the thing I must say is that really when it comes down to it, this film is about a real human being and a real hero <laughs> and a real human being and a real hero and a real human being, but also a, a real, real hero. hero. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Very, very um, heroic. The scorpion And also man. a real human being. Okay, so so here's the deal. Uh, that scene in the elevator, somebody described to me why the movie um, was bad. And this was in film school, okay? <laughs> so this was in a professional setting, all right? With a professional. A professional told me this. Um, and uh, now understand that this professional also did not like Mad Max Fury Road. So understand that this professional might have just been a fool. <laughs> uh, but before I continue... You must know, this was in a professional setting, therefore it somehow magically counts more. Um, the the boy, the man, the lad, he said to me uh, that the reason why the elevator scene in Drive is bad, or at least the reason that the movie is bad, is because of a, a um, an excess that Nicholas Winding Refn seems so obsessed with that he cannot turn it off even when the movie did, like needs him to do it. So the elevator scene, you know, on a thematic level and on a poetic sense is is fairly obvious. Um, it's a it's a scene about uh, the male propensity for violence and how that generally terrifies women. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like no matter what their relationship is, no matter how much she trusts him, no matter what the deal is, she sees him turn around, and stomp a guy's brains out of his head. This changes her opinion on him. Right. Uh, she no longer wants to fuck him. I don't know why, <laughs> but I am... <laughs> I am, I mean, he is kin from Barbie, so I don't see the problem. But, uh, I mean, surely Ken is capable of violence. But 
the reason it was it was supposedly bad was because of a a a mitigation between sound design and picture. Um, the boy Nicholas Winding Refn knows a thing or two about both visual stylings and making choices regarding s like audio uh, mixing being good. So the the reason that scene is very very successful on a form level, right, is because we're hearing stomp, 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 squash, right? Uh -huh. Like we listen to that dude's head erupt like a watermelon. But the problem is that right before the scene ends, Nicholas Winding Refn has to just cut to a scene or cut to a shot of that dude's head just being all explodey. Mm -hmm. So like the pace of it is is correct. Um, the emphasis is on all the right things. Thematically, it is it is very significant. I would say it's very good. But the thing that I was told as to why the scene is bad is because Nicholas Winding Refn, while being a very, very good formalist, somehow made like a, a decision where he couldn't put his excess away and had to also show us the dude's head exploding. Now, I know most of you out there are saying, but I really enjoy it when I see someone's head explode. I agree with you. I also do, which is why, you know, on its face, I kind of think that the professor who told me that was maybe full of shit. But I kind of also agree. It's the problem with the movie. We're going to get into that, but I thought that this was a decent way, this hand grenade here, would be a decent way for us to get into talking about Nicholas Winding Refn. Do you know anything about him? Uh, I do not. Um, Nothing? I, no, unfortunately not. Um, this surprised me. This surprises me greatly um, because he's kind of a thing, or at least he was for a while. He's very significant. In the same way that I would say Edgar Wright was like significant in that way, a lot of people were talking about Nicholas Winding Refn back in the day as being the boy, you know, the cinema boy. Like, you know how Edgar Wright, everybody was like, oh, yeah, he's the movie boy. He does the movies. Uh -huh. Everybody loves them. Oh. Uh, that was how people treated Nicholas Winding Refn after this came out. He did, uh, he did Bronson. He did. Okay. Well, I've seen Bronson. Uh, Bronson was a lot closer to an indie film uh, than this was, uh, just on budget, talent. I mean, understand that Tom Hardy, when they made Bronson, was not quite Tom Hardy. You know what I mean? He was a little bit closer to those MySpace photos where he's got his hands down his pants. <laughs> Have you seen those pictures? Um, They're really good. No. Let me... Uh... <laughs> Tom Hardy 100% took some uh, tasteful nudes for MySpace uh, decades ago, and they are amazing, as one would expect. It's it's only showing me pictures from him in movies. Uh, let me let me continue my Google search as you as you talk. Okay, you you do that. I'll talk. Um, yeah. So Nicholas Winding Refn quickly after Drive came out uh, had this blooming mega success. He was an indie film director from a, from uh, Denmark, and like him becoming the drive guy was not really his mentality. Like that wasn't really what he wanted. So he got a he caught a little George Lucas in there and was like, "Damn, I gotta make my movie. I gotta make the one where I say what I want to say and nobody has any interference." So. He naturally did what anybody would do in this situation. 
he became best friends with Alejandro Jodorowsky, <laughs> the director of The Holy Mountain, <laughs> um, and then hung out with him constantly. Uh, and then Jodorowsky read, read his tarot and specifically said, you're going to make a movie. It is not going to be a movie that is well-liked, but you will feel great about having done it because it will make you a man or some bullshit. <laughs> um, so the movie that uh, Nick, Nicky, we're going to call him Nicky now. Uh, the movie that Nicky made was uh, Only God Forgives, which is like one of the most polarizing films I think anyone has ever seen. Like it's it's almost a meme how polarized, like how, I don't know. I, I, I don't know many people right now who are out there going to bat uh, for only God forgives. Now I do know a few. I have a friend. Uh, I have a friend named Ellie who uh, stands the shit out of Only God Forgives. Um, there used there was a time in my life where I thought it was kind of neat, uh, but that time has passed. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm not in love with that movie. Um, however, because of the the absolute like ego death that he that Nikki had to experience from having every American and foreign critic say his movie was a massive piece of shit uh, made him go ah geez I should make a movie that people like um, and then he went ah never mind and he made the neon demon <laughs> <laughs> which do you know have you seen that I, I have that? not seen the neon okay. demon as soon as we're done you have to turn that on okay okay um just for funsies just for your own personal enjoyment um yeah so the neon demon is about the fashion industry in la and basically it's just like the story about womanhood and fame but basically woman is l fanning uh is beautiful in a natural way but everyone in la is beautiful in a fake way so her natural beauty gets her massive success very, very quickly, but um, her, uh, her beauty also gets her in trouble. So um, when I say in trouble, I mean some people really want to kill and eat her. Hmm. I, um, that is my tendency when I see a beautiful person, too. Uh, that's really, that's, that's terrifying. That's that's um you just unhinge your jaw and just like sort of nom on them or what's the deal? Oh yeah, is it I, is it the is it the lesbian urge to bite? I is that it? It's it's I, I'm just like a boa constrictor. I just you know just a boa constrictor. Yeah. Wow. Um. Well, that must be terrifying for just anyone. Um, Any everyone around me. Well, especially you. I'm sure I, that every time you unhinge your jaw to finish them off, you're like, oh geez, this is this is a bit much. I, I, yes, I, I do profusely apologize uh, through an unhinged You're job. You're like, listen, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that you have to become poop. <laughs> is that what you're saying? Uh, it, anyway, it's fine. <laughs> uh, so the Neon Demon is surprisingly great, but uh, that's because I saw it years ago and I don't, I haven't updated my opinions on <laughs> it. Um, but I do really, I did really like it uh, when it came out. I actually thought that it was Nicholas Winding Refn's masterpiece. Um and then, 
He did a TV show for Amazon and quickly disappeared. Like everybody seems to do, they do a movie for Amazon and then they're found in the trunk of a car in Vegas. So, like, I don't know if if Nicholas Winding Refn is still uh, with us. He might be in a trunk of a car in Vegas, but uh, I'd like to think that he is and he's working on his next absolute hell piece of nightmare for me to watch. But I haven't seen it yet. Um because he has not said words about uh, it. But speaking of too what? old to die young, uh Miles Teller disturbs me. Miles Teller also disturbs me, and I can tell you why. It's because Whiplash is also a Sigma male movie and for whatever reason nobody's brought it up for us to watch yet. Hmm. Also he was in Fantastic 4. And he looks like a serial killer. He looks like Miles Teller looks like uh, he would he would hide bodies in the walls, and when people complained about the smell, he would say, "What smell?" <laughs> that's I, that's Miles. That's the Miles Teller I know and love. He would say it like through through the uh, the, the the chain in the door, as it like opens. Yeah, he'd a crack. be like, "What he'd smell?" Be like, There's no big deal. Nothing's in here. Um, that's what Miles Teller would, uh, sounds like. Uh, so, uh, yeah, too, too, uh, too good to die, um, or whatever the fuck it's called, is, is, uh, it's like cop criticism, uh, I believe. I watched two episodes of it, <laughs> and I found it to be underwhelming, dull, and boring, uh, which I know is crude and cruel words for someone to say about someone else's art. Um, but also, he's a millionaire, uh, <laughs> so it's fine to say these things. Uh, it was on Amazon, and Amazon, as you know, is a shit-tier website. This is why every time somebody makes fun of my book and says that it's stupid, I'm like, you know, I agree. It's sold on Amazon, and everything on Amazon is bad. <laughs> so, no, listen, no judgment. I, I, <laughs> I get it. Um, so, speaking of bad movies, Drive is the movie we're talking about today. But we had but, to take this big, long walk to, to talk about it. But Nicholas Winding Refn is a lot of weird things compared to, like, uh, an Edgar Wright, right? Like, Edgar Wright's whole thing, I'm really relatable. Everybody likes my movies. I'm such a funny guy. Nicholas Winding Refn is like, I'm different. Nobody understand me. Which is very similar to how Lars von Trier is, only I don't believe at any point Nicholas Winding Refn has been a self-proclaimed Nazi, although Lars von Trier has. I, I didn't know that. I was thinking about uh, Dancer in the Dark you, today. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Have you not seen the video of that happening? No. Uh, I, okay, I, will, to, to, I will. To very briefly describe it for those of you at home, uh, what happens is uh, it is at the Cannes Film Festival, uh, I believe he's sitting next to Naomi Watts, but I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure it's Naomi Watts. And uh, and he says, I used to think that I was a Jew. Oh. Uh, which is not the, the it, not the, I mean, it's a fairly crude way of putting that. But he's like, yeah, I used to view myself more as a Jew that was uh, misunderstood and oppressed. But now I'm realizing more and more that I am a Nazi and I am the oppressor. I Okay, so I, um, I, I I pulled up the actual quote. It's did you? It's unhinged. Let's hear it. Can can you read it to yes. me? Yes. Uh, for a long time, I thought I was a Jew, and I was I was happy to be a Jew. Then I met uh, 
uh, Suzanne Beer, and I wasn't so happy. But then I found out I was actually a Nazi. My family were German, and that that also gave me some pleasure. What can I say? I understand Hitler. I sympathize with him a bit. I don't mean I'm in favor of World War II, and I'm not against Jews, not even Suzanne Beer. Oh boy, Beer. this is the worst thing anyone's ever said. What the shit? In fact, I'm very much in favor of them. All Jews. Well, Israel's a pain in the ass. Oh my god. Oh my now, god. Oh my now, god. how do oh I get god. out of this oh sentence? God. Okay. I'm a Nazi. How do I get out of this sentence? Well, does anybody have a gun? Um, that would be my first... If I had said that, I would immediately be like, ah, oh, geez, Rick, do you have a pistol for I... me? Uh, the only way out of this is if I just go ahead and end it. Oh, like, shit. Oh. My dude. Um, what? Uh, asked if you would like to do a film on a larger scale. Answered, yes, we Nazis like to do things on a big scale. Maybe I should do the final solution. <laughs> I hate him. Ma- I, hate- I don't want to host this show no more. I... <laughs> I, as I sit here hearing this, I go, Jesus Christ! Why are we talking about movie people? They're fucking Nazis. I, yeah, okay. So I'm sorry. Uh, uh that was quite the distraction. See, this is not about Lars von Trier, but that, it is definitely about on that distraction. Uh, it's ah. <laughs> but we haven't even started talking about the movie. Well, all right, that's fine. Um, go ahead. Just might do the ad. Un- unintentionally turn it to a two-parter. Uh, we'll see. I sure hope not. I. <laughs> Um, <laughs> all right, we'd like to thank our uh, our sponsor, uh, Machine Age Productions. Uh, they have a short film out on uh, uh, the Nick's Horror, Nick's Horror Film Horror Festival for Shutter. For Shutter, it's called Nine. Uh, it comes out August thirteenth, if I if I am correct. Uh, so on August thirteenth, everyone uh, go to Shutter, which I know all of you are subscribed to. Um, hey, hey, wait! I I have a great idea. Real quick, before we continue. This ad read, which we were paid to do, uh, I'm thinking it would be very funny if we tried to guess what the movie's about. Think about it. Okay, so the movie's called Nine, right? So clearly it's about a cat with nine lives. But no, it's not about a cat. It's about a person who has nine lives. And each one of those lives is somehow destroyed by an e-girl. I, 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 by by their crippling addiction to Bella Delphi. To, yes, uh, they they can't get over their addiction to Belle Delphine's feet, so they're like, "Damn, dude, there goes all all nine of them." I, wow. Hey, Philomena, did I get it right? Uh, hey, Olivia, how close am I? My uh, my guess is as they uh, also made a hashtag I hunt. I think it is going to be a council of nine different <laughs> different uh, uh, monsters. Monster hunters. Uh, I was gonna or say monsters. monsters that that get hunted one by one by a monster oh, hunter. Oh, so so it's a it's kind of a meeting of the minds. So they sort of grab uh, our boy Mothman and Bigfoot, yeah, and like the the Flatwoods monster, and they all get together as a sort of like cryptid gang. And they're like, "What do we do about all these annoying podcasters <laughs> who come to the West Virginia woods and they meet like a bunch of weird people who live in the woods?" And they're like, "Damn, dude." Uh, uh, we gotta catch Bigfoot, and Bigfoot's like, "You're not gonna catch me." Oh no, Bigfoot. I I stepped in a bear trap. Oh god, and it and it wasn't for a bear; it was for people. Uh, oh no, I found a cannibal family. Ah, uh, that's a terrible thing to happen in West Virginia. Anyway, so this is what the movie's about, clearly. So you gotta see it. Yeah. Um, 
Also, uh, what's the uh... ambient room studios? It's Nancy store, right? Uh, it's it's psychedelic merch, posters, uh, uh, clothes, more posters. Decorate that wall. Fill that wall you up with psychedelic imagery. And if you're like me, wake up hallucinating at three in the morning and be terrified by your room. Ooh. Um. Hey, you know what, Ambient Dreams? If Ambient Dream Studio is listening, which I hope they are, uh, you know what y'all should make? Y'all should make acid sheets, right? <laughs> Listen, you don't have to put the drug on there. You just need to give me the paper. I'm a chemist. <laughs> I'm an amateur chemist. Do you have any sheets of paper for me? I'm just, anyway, I'm just... no, I, I really do like their art, but I would like to put it on my I... tongue. I'm envisioning you, but it's the the they get up from uh H Bomber guy's vaccine video. Oh Lord. Oh, like reanimator? <laughs> yeah, I would be I'd be fairly decent at, at amateur uh human reanimation, although I would be very disturbed if I saw a human body eat out a woman's vagina, which does happen in that movie. I uh a severed head, by the way. On that note, go to Page. The the body holding the severed head, like hold like holds it in place for, uh, the head. It's it's, <clears throat> it's good. It's real good. Right. Uh, I like it. Uh, uh, go to patreon.com slash excrement. Uh, throw me some money if you want. Uh, if you don't want to, uh, that's all right too. Uh, you can you can throw us some money. You can throw some money on us, at us. You can even put it in my little underwear. Uh, you can uh, put it in a t-shirt um, cannon and shoot it through a window. Ooh, break our window and make us pay for it. I'm gonna I'm gonna build a wall and make Mexico pay for it. <laughs> I'm gonna shoot uh, money into your window with a t-shirt cannon and then make you pay for the window. <laughs> <laughs> it's a oxymoron, you see. All right. Um. Are uh. Is that is that all? Yeah. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I wrote a book. It's dirty. It's nasty. It stinks. It smells real bad. And each copy comes with a dead rat. That's right. I will, for a limited time, be shipping you a dead rat inside every purchase. That's right. So if you can get on down to, that's right, nickspears.bandcamp.com slash merch, pick up a book, I will mail you a dead rat. And... For a limited time only, I will also be signing the dead rat. <laughs> we call that the Jared Leto. We call that the Jared Leto special. That's right. Um, Dr. Michael Morbius, noted vampire murderer. You know, it happens every episode that we have to talk about Dr. Michael Morbius, vampire murderer. I... Uh, but but before, <laughs> like, I think that's a good place to end the ad read before something worse happens. Yes. Um, all right. Yeah. So I'm not really good with the whole uh, being professional on a digital space thing. I don't do well talking unfiltered. I start suggesting that people make acid sheets with my face on it and shit. It's uh, uh, listen. There, there's no scientific benefit to to being <laughs> perfect. Anyway, I just got uh, a fantastic idea. It's I make acid sheets with my face on it. <laughs> uh, Okay, on, okay, on that okay. Note. Jokes are funny, but drive, drive is not funny. It's very serious. So we got to talk about boys. Um, why do boys like this shit? Um, so I think that drive has this problem where it is 
one of the stronger critiques of the Sigma male archetype in my like in my opinion. Um well, I find this to be very odd because this movie does what I'm going to call a not all men. <clears throat> hmm. Uh now it it does a all men, but it also does a not all men, and I think most people choose to listen to the not all men part and not the all men part. Now this is not me uh trying to stereotype or generalize every single man even though they are identical. I I uh, am actually trying to say that um stereotypes are bad um actually but um but you would have to interpret my words a thing i know sigma males have a hard time doing uh as, as so, evidenced by their their love for movies that don't really like them yeah well so the the reason i say this movie doesn't doesn't not all men is because okay they have ryan goosling wear that uh vin diesel <laughs> mask yeah. For like half the movie while he's doing a Halloween, uh, like a Michael Myers. Yeah. Um, he's also uh, the escaped psycho. You know, it's like very much a trope, like like you know Halloween. He's right. kind of they they play it off like he's a he's like a masked slasher. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, and he's on the loose. But but it's Vin Diesel <laughs> as the masked slasher, right? So the idea is that. This violence, you know, hides inside these like images mm-hmm. of masculinity, and so I think that that's more what the movie is talking about. The movie's talking about the masculine expectation to do violence, but also the um, like expectation that some of us look like they're violent, and some of us don't. There's this one scene in the movie where uh, the driver, which they decided not to name because it's spicier that way, Fight Club. Uh, the the reason that they didn't... Uh, oh, anyway, this scene. The driver says to the child while they're watching television, um, how do you know that that guy's the bad guy? And the kid's like, well, because he looks like the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And it's very like... Well, appearances. Right. He he appears to be a good dude. And so I think the movie is trying to fuck with our ideas of like, okay, Ryan Goosling is v- a very hot man who's very attractive. Surely he couldn't also, you know what I mean? Right. So it's fucking with this image of like, well, we expect violence from people that look like Vin Diesel, but we don't expect violence from people that look like Ryan Gosling. Mm-hmm. And so the movie really does uh, try and unfortunately fail amongst many people to uh, to say that like there the there there's a difference but there's also not a difference the uh, a lot of our differences come down to like who we expect violence to come from mm-hmm. and so like this is why I say the film is very good because it is real good in the sense that no other movie really talks about the 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 way we judge things based like judge men specifically based on their appearance and um like just someone that we appropriately would view as being someone we're cool with being violent like a Vin Diesel uh 
you know, is perhaps hiding a a lonely autistic person, right? Inside inside of their mask, mm-hmm. uh, and and so there's a unifying thing, right? Where it's it's to say that anybody with a propensity for violence is experiencing things very similarly, but they but there's this appearance difference that makes things tolerable, right? And so, with that. I feel like the movie is trying desperately to criticize the very thing that people appreciate about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and 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 so to, to answer continue. To, so, so to answer your question, um, I think that, in my opinion, part of the reason that a lot of Sigma dudes like this movie is because, for whatever reason, they also have have poor social skills, and. Literally me. I, <laughs> I buy the scorpion jacket because I, you see, am a violent criminal. Yeah, and and they have this anger in them that they wish could, like, express as as violence uh, as just violence, um, and yes. that and that women don't understand them because women don't understand the nature of men. Uh. Yeah, and, well, and, there's ah, uh, which is I mean, and I'm saying it's a bad interpretation of the film. I agree with you, but I'm I, but, I, but damn, but damn, what a what a way to misunderstand that hurts. the film. Ouchie. Yeah, I mean, like I'm I'm fairly used to people having pretty shit tier like um takes on movies uh like this, but. The scorpion jacket one is very funny, right? <laughs> we we can agree that the scorpion jacket one is is the funny. It, it, the thing is, okay, Fight Club I feel like is the symbol of like, ah boy, watch out. Uh, if if your boy is a fan of Fight Club, you might want to call a hotel. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> if your boy loves a Clockwork Orange uncritically, uh, he might just be kind of into rape. Which is not good. Don't 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 like that. Let's we shouldn't um we shouldn't celebrate that. So like it's it's bizarre to say something like, I don't feel like the audience of this understands it. You know, and, and I feel like I constantly am pre- presenting I'm gonna call it fairly anecdotal evidence that this is a thing. But um I will say that the scorpion jacket makes this very easy for me because it is a symbol representing literally the phenomenon that I am talking about. Right. The scorpion jacket, while a very cool jacket of a scorpion, guys, is actually like in the movie as a symbol for the like propensity for violence. It's the it's the frog and the scorpion, right? Yeah. That's what's being referenced. So the frog and the scorpion thing, I've told it to a million people, right, as I've broken up with them. Um, the, the bit is this. There is, there is a frog. The frog is partying uh, and is like, I'm going over there. And then the scorpion's like, hello, I see that you are going to cross the river over there. What if I joined you? And then uh, the frog naturally goes, I think that's a bad idea because you're a scorpion. You'll kill me half or you'll bite me halfway through this shit. And then um, we're both going to die. And if we both die, then it will be your fault. So I shouldn't trust you based inherently on what you are. 
the content of your being. And so they get across about halfway across the uh, the place, and uh, and the scorpion bites the frog. The frog goes, "No, you killed me. Why did you do that?" And as they're drowning, uh, killing both the scorpion and the frog, the scorpion goes, "It is simply in my nature to do so. Mm-hmm. I'm a scorpion, and scorpions sting." And so the scorpion jacket is a physical manifestation of literally this. It's like he is a he is a scorpion. Right. And and like Carrie Mulligan I feel is largely a frog mm-hmm. in this situation, right? It's not any of the other people. And so like the person really burned in this movie is Carrie Mulligan. Mm-hmm. The person that really suffers is her because like she pretty much you know she she hangs out with a guy with a scorpion jacket <laughs> and at no point associates the fact that he's going to stomp a dude to death in an elevator right she just can't see that that's possible even though he literally wears it on right. his body so then the question becomes when you go on etsy and you buy yourself a scorpion jacket and go god damn i'm cool are you doing that because you want to tell women <laughs> that you are going to kill a bunch of people? Right. Or are you getting it because it's got a cool scorpion on the back? Well, and and, and, and I think I what I like about the metaphor in the movie is he doesn't so he like cuz cuz he's the one who's like he 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 calls someone and he's like, "Have you ever heard the metaphor of the scorpion and the frog?" And they're like, "The fuck are you talking right. about?" And he like hangs up. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, because the 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 other weird thing about Nicholas Winding Refn is he can't seem to stop dead ass just like verbatim saying the thing he means. Right. So, but and so I don't I I don't think that the driver realizes that 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 his nature includes stinging Irene. Like he he sees himself as stinging like. Like like the pe- guys who deserve, guys who deserve it. it, but but he's he's he what he doesn't realize is that is that no he's he just stings everyone. Um, it well and and it's not it's non intent based. It's it's like yeah he can view himself as some sort of real human being, real hero. But the reality is he scares everyone off because he's incredibly scary. He's a violent, scary guy, and he's an incel. Right, and so like the end of the movie is him realizing. I need to shed my nature, <laughs> you know. Like, you know, I have, right. I've, I have come to the natural conclusion of the scorpion. I am, I, I have a gut wound, and I am waiting to die. Maybe this isn't the right narrative. <laughs> well, and like the 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 truth of it is, is like, you know, um, being a scorpion in any propensity, uh like is going to bring that out of your nature or whatever, right? Like the, it's it's arguing an inherentness, which is kind of um I don't know, that's very it's very bold, I feel, to to be so blunt about the fact that that's what it's trying to communicate. And yet and yet like I've known tens of people who have bought that fucking <laughs> scorpion jacket. <laughs> Yeah, 
Well, I mean, like one of my favorite green posts of all time. Okay, so it's like a pair of them. One is 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 someone talking about how they buy the jacket and act like the driver, and 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 like people people like start liking them. And then there's another making fun of that person about buying the jacket and being a and being a silent creep and like <laughs> and everybody running away from them in their life. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You you buy the jacket, and then the next thing that happens is your girlfriend leaves you, um, which is a great idea, by the way. If your boyfriend, if your boy buys that scorpion jacket, you should call a different boy out. You know what I mean? Call him over. See what's up. Uh, mostly for protection. Let's be real. Um, <laughs> so drive um, is weird. Because it's a movie that, on a mise-en-scene level, I deeply appreciate. Um, I actually like how violent it is, because I'm a psychopath. Well, uh, but but the, the people criticize this. Continue. I was just going to say, I, just gonna say like, I, I feel like the, the beauty of the violence in Drive, though, is there's not a lot of it. It's like whenever it does happen, it's so over the top and so much more than you were expecting. I feel like it complements the movie well. But anyway, I'm sorry. I actually, I, I deeply feel like the hotel scene in that movie where uh, basically the driver's like, surprise, I'm going to blow everyone away. Um, and it happens in like slow motion, yet it also happens really fast. Um, I think that that scene is actually deeply effective in its communication of violence like we see the driver in his scorpion jacket hold a woman down and beat her in the face (laughs) and demand answers uh and everyone continues to stan him with no hesitation too like you just oh no big deal that character walks in the bathroom and gets her head blown off i don't remember her name it's fine you just puts the gloves on and starts punching her in the face while he holds her down yeah, he does in fact do that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that's kind of like, whoa, I don't know about that. He's just like, well, Baba Scorpion, this is gonna suck for you. Well, and like on a on a Nicholas Winding Refn level, which is the level that no one is willing to acknowledge, um, on a Nicholas Winding Refn level, I think this is a smart choice he's making. I I know that that might be shocking to some of you. But no, 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 no. Like, I feel like the the movie actually handles the driver's proclivities towards violence. And also, not just violence, but cold, calculated, very psychopathic violence. And then, like, ironically, I feel, uh, smacks us with this real human being, real hero bullshit as an irony. Hmm. Um, it's it's a joke. I feel like it's a joke. The people don't agree with me, probably, because everybody goes, that song slaps, though. And listen, it does. But a song slapping, slappage, if you will, let's call that the measure for this. We, we measure this in slappage. While the song doth slappage, or doth possess slappage, that does not mean that it is not making fun of the driver at the end of the movie. I feel deeply that it is making it is they they show it to us at different intervals of the movie, the song. 
Like we get hit with the song very early on. Mm-hmm. We get hit with the song when he's with Irene. And then we get and and they're just like driving around, having fun, smiling, Max and relaxing, all cool, playing a little b-ball outside the school. And then they show it to us again at the end of the movie after we've watched him uh, put leather gloves on and beat a woman, murder several people uh, constantly, and also uh, kill a woman in front of his girlfriend. I'm sorry, kill a man in front of his girlfriend. Gender's hard. Um. So, like, I feel like what what heroicism was done? What what was the heroicism? Mm-hmm. Right? He's a real hero and a real human being. Well, what is the qualifications for somebody to be a human being? Because the entire movie is telling us that he's a scorpion and not a human mm-hmm. being. So, uh, and also the movie's constantly making Michael Myers references, uh, like in his like sort of stees, which. I feel is them trying to do the whole Dr. Loomis is he's not an actual man. He's evil like that thing. Mm -hmm. But, uh, they like, I feel like this is just on its face. Like these, these it's playing with these social tropes and also what those things make us think of, you know, uh, in, in a large part, I feel like there are elements of like Ryan Gosling covering his face when he does the kills not to hide his identity. That's the thing. He's not trying to hide his identity. Who's he protecting? You know, Irene? Like, they're not connected in any sort of way. Like, they're, if, if anything, Irene is in trouble because of her fucking ex-husband, who is now dead. Like, and also, he's dead. Why would they give a fuck? Right. Like, why would they go after her? Why would they go after her? Like, he, he's dead already. So, anyway... Right. Like <laughs> my point is the driver is an is a is a not good dude and he causes a lot of the problems and his passivity causes a lot of the problems his inability to like uh get his sh- shit together uh, his, uh one would call it the curse of empathy. Like he he can't stop being like, oh man, this guy needs help. I better help him out. Uh, so much so that he he has to kill a lot of people. And see that that is the that is the like weird ironic bent of the movie that I don't even know where I stand on or how I can even get behind it. But um, yeah, it's the heroism uh, is is basically being a fuck up. Uh, being acting all tough about it, driving around, not talking to anyone, uh, making no serious changes in anyone's life other than the, the negative, having so much empathy that you end up literally fucking up a whole family, and also like more than anything, it's the uh, it's the weird white person Karen urge to not stay the fuck out of it. Right. Like, genuinely, he's like, well, I got to get in here. I got to get involved. You know, clearly this situation, this bad one, needs me, a violent criminal. Like, and he 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 feels, I feel, that he must rise to this violence mm-hmm. uh, as to be a hero. And... That's, I feel like, where one could make the comparison to, like, the Vin Diesel mask, right? Because that, 
the Vin Diesel mask is heroism in the American modern sense. It's guy can't stay out of, uh, like, a, a guy goes, this is wrong, I gotta get involved, and then he kills a lot of people and is viewed as a hero. Um, that, is, that is, like, the American action movie standard, very largely. So while I feel like Nicholas Winding Refn is kind of the only filmmaker that could have made Drive with this level of, like, I'm going to call it Euro-awareness of American proclivities. I also believe that um, the movie, like, is in its own way, maybe? I Does that make any that sense? That does. And I, 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 I do want to say, I think, I think you have a significantly better take on on the the real human being real hero than than i do well what the fuck is your take tell me i told me. you my take and and i thought i thought tell it to me well, again my take was that the repeat my it. take was that at the end of the movie it's signifying his like his need to become those things and to change oh. his nature and so my take was the ending of the movie was him realizing that 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 he needed to change his nature and because like like because you know you okay, know well, okay. because there's the progression of like you know he he did the thing he like he he yes. cleared the family he got stabbed and then he didn't die and he's like what the fuck why haven't i died i was supposed to die so, well and yeah so okay well well there's something right where it's there's some sort of belief that heroism only exists in martyrdom um which is very much a uh, Judeo-Christian belief, uh, which has influenced American culture so much so that we bomb brown people over it. Um, <clears throat> a lot, turns out. Uh, but also, like, th- while you were talking, there was a thought I had, but now I'm trying, I'm, it's, I'm trying to make it occur to me again. But, like, do you feel... Okay, so your take on all this is that Okay, I, I got it, I got it, I got it. Have you noticed that all of these movies have one very distinct thing in common? And maybe this is my perspective on it. Maybe it's not exactly like this. But my perspective on it is that, like, these movies are all about rejecting change. These are all about dudes who are fine, actually. Right. These these are all stories about guys that are fine. They're just in bad situations. And if they could just get themselves out of those situations, they could protect a girl. Mm-hmm. But, like, so I do feel like the movie rejects change. But I, I feel like rejecting change in this sense is ironic. Because, like, yeah, he's a scorpion. So he's going to go to another situation and continue to be a scorpion and continue to get into these violent circumstances because he's like, ah, shit, well, I am a hero and a human being. I got to get my shit involved in here and start stabbing people like Michael Myers. Right. Um, the masculine urge to start stabbing people like Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, real human being here uh, and a real hero. I... I don't know. I feel I feel deeply like this is ironic. I I don't know. No, I I don't know. I I I I I do still feel like your interpretation of the movie or of that is better. Uh but but either way, I I think we can agree that there is this element of rejecting Right. Change. No, no, no. I absolutely do agree. Um and Yeah. 
but that's ultimately what high fidelity is about, right? It's a, it, but but this is a sigma thing. This is what we've learned. The lesson of the right. day, right, is this. Like, so high fidelity, well, right? It tricks you into thinking it's about changing, like the guy changing, but actually it's a secret rejection of change where homie never changes. Mm-hmm. It's It's actually trying to reinforce all of his beliefs and back them up with different information so that, like... He feels like justified in believing don't, that. Don't don't get me started on that one again. I well, I'm not going to. But but my point is that I think that drive has has made explicit to me this thing of how all of these movies are ultimately about dudes who dude and are like, yo, I'm perfect and there's nothing wrong with mm-hmm. me. But I do. I could be better at being perfect. Mm-hmm. And and so it's like it's that narcissistic self-deprecation thing, right? They they simultaneously view themselves as the main character who, who's a hero and who can do nothing wrong, but also um, they're a worthless bag of shit. They're a scorpion. They're evil. They have the proclivity to violence. But you know, it the real problem is that people don't accept them for this, right? And so the weird thing about Drive is that the movie is openly criticizing and mocking the the narcissistic self-deprecating uh incel mm-hmm. who murders. But also because it is so very very good uh like a lot of a lot of boys be like this isn't ironic. <laughs> this is telling me that I should I should also be a a, a weird violent person right. and never tell anyone. Uh, that I have, like, and and tell everyone that I am the main character all the time, and all of this revolves around me. And maybe if I if I act like this long enough, a uh, uh, someone will come along and like. So so, is the villain of the movie the driver, or is it Irene? <laughs> hmm. I think it's. I feel. I I think. I don't. I don't know. I, I. I. think it's the driver. Well, it's not Irene, no, I, but I mean, no. like, to to a certain subsect of people, they would be like, oh yeah, like, her. She's a, You know, her, her lifestyle asking too much. Like women's problems asking way too much of men and shit like that is is clearly the thing that is I, causing. Uh, I think that my that, man's problem that is the most egregiously wrong take about this movie that anyone could possibly have more so than any of the other well, bad takes we've discussed like blaming irene for being horrified at 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 the violence is like the most frustratingly dumb take i have ever seen well i have i have heard a take once that uh in film school ironically because okay listen when i was in film school they let just anybody make a video essay about anything. <laughs> so I watched some dumbass video essays, okay? <laughs> and one of those absolutely putridly dumbass fucking essays I, I read was about how the secret villain of Drive was Irene because Irene is a representative for all women and all women are very passive and men must come in and solve their problems for them. And that means being violent and then rejecting the person who's violent, even though that person was protecting her. I that is the dumbest take I've ever heard. Uh, but I I I if I could, I would burn that take <laughs> onto a floppy disk and throw it in the fucking ocean. I, uh, but I that is the 
dumbest thing I've ever. Heard. I think what's interesting about this movie is that there's no one real villain. It's just uh, six people. It's, a it's six s- people who are all passive and 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 like locked into a collision course. And and there's yeah, they're just circumstantially like. like like, like, like the, there's even a line in it where one of the mobsters is like, there are 2,000 fucking heists in this city a year, and our boy has to be on the one that puts him at odds with us. That goes like this. Yeah. yeah. So, like, well, and, 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 and so it's like the, you know, you know, the gangsters, uh, I think uh, Ron Perlman's character is just a, like a psychopath asshole. So, but like the characters who who aren't psychopath assholes, like they're all like like damn, this really sucks that we all got well, put like on every, this path. Well, and every character in the movie is bitching about their like where their life ended, right? Right. So like, <clears throat> Ron Perlman is like, yeah, I had to borrow a bunch of money from the gang to start my Italian food business, <laughs> but now, uh, they they still treat me like I'm a kid. They treat me like I'm an idiot, but like. You know, uh, this this is just what I had to do. Um, you know, and then like Bernie is like, yeah, I made some uh, I made some uh, action films in the '80s. They were shitty, um, but people called them European, so I thought they. were Oh, pretty. I thought he was just talking about like and I thought he was making porn. <laughs> I I don't know why I thought I mean, that, but I thought I think he was making action. Oh, okay, films, but but either way, like. The the point is just that he gave up on his dreams to die in a parking lot, um, and then over, and then uh, over a million dollars. The well, and and um, Brian Cranston's character right is like treated like he's a bumbling fool who doesn't understand how in with the mob he is, mm-hmm. but he like had to get in with the mob so that he could um, like have a, a business. And so a lot of this is like how these people have tied themselves in together. They all feel like their lives are going to shit. And then uh, just to make things even better and spicier, they all kill each other. Right. Which is great, actually, because they all had terrible lives. Right. Well, and the only person who ever, the only person in the entire movie who, who, who takes action to break the cycle is Irene. She's the only yeah. character well, in the movie the only... to go, fuck this. Fuck this. I don't want to be yeah. a part of this. And she... <laughs> and then I watched a video essay of somebody fucking blaming her for being the only person who actually sees a future. And also, notice that when I say she's the only person who sees a future, the, like, the reason she sees a future, by the way, is because she has a fucking child. Yeah. Like, she doesn't want her child to no. die. So I don't know. I a difference between her and everybody else. All right. I I yeah. Uh, Do we have to stop complaining? Uh, we don't have to stop complaining. Are we in trouble? I mean, nothing can stop us complaining. Is, but is your is my mommy about to have to come pick me up from school? I, Do we have to quit? I, uh, I I I. What about your mom? I, I I hope my mommy isn't coming to pick me up right now. Uh. Yeah, that would be weird. I am, I am, I am. You're in trouble. I am shirtless, surround in a, in, a, in a pile of cocaine, uh, and that would not be ideal. You're, wow. Um, anyway, holy shit, just, Tony Montana. That was just a dumb joke. Uh, uh. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Wait, are you really? Can you mail me some cocaine? Podcasts are legally binding. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> podcasts are legally binding. You cannot mail cocaine uh, on a podcast. So, May. Uh, uh, what? Gold, what do you want? shit, or mid? Gold. Uh, I think this movie's great. I think this is one of the few movies that genuinely represents um, basically the 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 proclivity, right? In my mind, it is the only movie that really shows the like the effects of this shit. Uh-huh. And that's the thing that people uh have have seemingly missed out on, right? So Baby Driver, while being a very uh eloquently made movie, is silently and kind of weirdly an endorsement for um being that and viewing yourself as that. Well, right? It's an endorsement of, of Drive- Ronald Reagan for whatever reason. For whatever reason. Yeah, that movie loves Reagan and thinks he's great. Um, but anyway, my point is uh, this movie is about how, like, what if the guy from Baby Driver lost, actually? Like, he lost out on everything because he had to be violent and reckless and made a bunch of passive, shitty, stupid decisions to help out friends that he didn't need to be helping out that were just literally fucking him. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gets fucked. Uh, the definitely the guy who gets shotgun blasted got fucked. The entire mob gets fucked. Ron Perlman gets fucked. Irene doesn't get fucked because for whatever reason, Ryan Gosling refuses to have sex with her. And also, um, yeah, basically it's a big orgy. Everyone gets fucked. And and, and on that, oh wait, I think it's gold. Uh, I. Oh, okay. I. I, I, I I I agree with everything May said. I also love that it's it's. Uh, I love the vaporwave aesthetic, and I think that. Excuse me. I think that this movie had a had a large hand in the resurgence of that aesthetic. Well, okay, it's not a resurgence. I, the the thing to mention about this. Listen, I know I don't need to do a I don't need to do an explain, but I'm going to do the tiniest of explaining. Um. So. The vaporwave thing. Have you seen the movie Thief? Uh, no, but I played the game. <laughs> okay, not the same at oh. all. Uh, the the movie Thief is about a guy who used to be a piece of shit, but he's not anymore. He's not a piece of shit Did anymore. He, eat some... he doesn't wear his. He, he doesn't slick back his hair and eat uh, and eat I... sloppy steaks anymore. Um, but he used to be a piece of shit. But then a bunch of other pieces of shit are like, dude, you got to come back and do uh, do another heist. Now he's very very good at heists. Um, so he does one more heist. Then he realizes that the heist was actually people just trying to fuck him, or it goes like really madly wrong. It's been a little while since I've seen it. And then he does a big fuck it and kills everyone on the planet. Just kills everyone openly in the street with guns. It's wild. And he just starts shooting gang members in the street. It's it's fucking wild. But anyway, rest in peace, James Caan. He just died, which is super sucks. Um, but no, it's one of his crowning achievements. You've got to see it. I think it's on Tubi, I... dude. Anyway, it's good shit. The point is, Drive is a visual reference entirely to the aesthetic of Thief. Thief is what people are actually talking about when they're talking about, you know, that that 80s noir feeling. So 
I should. It is a thing. I was just gonna say. I should, I should clarify. I uh, drive drug it to four chan and the four chan shotgun blasted it on the internet. Yeah, I mean, I I think that it just sort of shotgun blasted it all over the place. Just. Uh, completely cracked America's head in half. Uh, but but my point is that thief is where that comes from, and that even still is a reference to to live and die in L.A., I believe, um, which is also like this. So there are a lot of movies like this, but this one, <coughs> this one's very modern, very synthwave, the font is is very specific, and see these are all references to like Thief and To Live and Die in L.A. These like very artful action movies that were made in America, and even one might call this film a postmodern reinterpretation of that aesthetic. Um, however, uh, you should probably watch the source material. I, I should. Um, I- I know that was a long-winded analysis of of the weird '80s aesthetic of of this film. <laughs> no, it's it's fine. I actually genuinely love that aesthetic so much. I I do intend to go watch Thief. Uh, on that note, okay, uh, do that. We've got to end this podcast. Uh, yeah. Goodbye. Have have a great week. That's how you're gonna do uh, it. Uh. No, we got to do it with some fucking elegance. Uh, some, some you know elegance. what I mean? We got to be like. Uh. Here, right, here, listen, wait, wait, wait. I don't wait, want to watch this. All right, there we go. Oh, did you just. Did you just no, leave? no, I took a bow. Oh, yeah. a bow. Okay, that. No, that was. That's good. That's elegant. Um, no, so. So, um, uh, okay, here's what I'm going to say. Watch out, everybody. There's a giant monster coming straight for you. Oh, my God. It's outside my window. I'm going to die now. I'm going to be crushed by it. Oh, God. Ah! Ah!